by reflecting on the kindness that we receive. So many people here today have brought much that we will share. Throughout our lives, the relatives, the friends, the teachers that have guided us, experienced a tremendous amount of kindness. So think about that for a moment. Even just in the last few days, call the kindnesses of strangers and other people like that. too on how everything we have, everything we have, everything we use, everything we enjoy, everything that keeps us alive, comes through other beings, inventors, So as we recall that kindness, we also recall that every single one of those beings, human, animal, and otherwise, wants to be happy just as fervently as we do. And wants no difficulty, no hassle, no suffering whatsoever, just like we do. Let compassion arise for this situation for ourselves and for everyone. Cultivate a genuine wish that they be happy. That we all gain happiness. Cultivate a wish that we can have lasting
And set our motivation that as we spend time with the Buddha's teachings this morning and celebrating the, the day together, that we may keep in the back of our mind or maybe in the front of our mind a wish for all beings to be free of suffering and to have the happiness they want. And then intention to explore these teachings, to cultivate our own good qualities in order to help bring that about. Whatever we do together to cultivate our kindness, our love, our compassion, our wisdom has a ripple effect that touches everyone and plants the seeds for our own full awakening someday. So let's be together with that intent. Continuing with, don't believe everything you think. We've now been at it for years. If I'm on chapter three, we do it. We don't do it in the winter. Well, I meant to say, you know, we don't do rains retreat. We do snows retreat. <laughs> <laughs> you might have figured that out. Um, which is allowed. So this book by Venerable Children is based on, it's a commentary, based on um, this prayer, the 37 Practices of Bodhisattvas, um, that was written by, um, oh gosh, I get them in the eight verses, names mixed up, I have to look. What is it? Tome Sambo. Tome Sambo, yeah. Tome Sambo. It wouldn't matter if I He's a part of the Kadamba tradition, one of the, the and this particular tradition of uh, Tibetan masters, practitioners, early on, this prayer is maybe 11th century, 10th century, it's old. But they're well known for the thought training practices whereby you take the difficult circumstances along the path or in your life, and transform them into practices. Transform them so that we can really use them for our spiritual development. And usually, yeah, Tome Sanmo, 1295 to 1369. Usually they are um, the opposite of what we want to do in a given situation. Completely the opposite. So they really counteract the afflictions it's making us react to and respond to the challenges so this verse, verse 33, is where we are, and this is how it goes. Reward and respect cause us to quarrel, and make hearing, thinking, and meditation decline. For this reason, give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. This is the practice of bodhisattvas. So uh, bodhisattva, as some of you, most of you know, as a being who, um, propelled by their compassion, following the very reasoning we just did, actually, on motivation and others, develop um, a wish or appreciation for the kindness of other beings, so much so that their wish to alleviate their suffering compels them to wish to become fully awakened Buddhas. Because they know that as a fully awakened Buddha, which we all 
they will have the greatest skill at being able to help people learn to relieve their suffering and develop their happiness. And so Bodhisattva works continually, not leaving out one single living being out of their love and compassion, to develop themselves to realize the ultimate nature of reality in order to be able to help others. So this is our goal for each of these verses of the 37 practices. This is the practice of Bodhisattvas. It's not easy. But the uh, outcome is so huge that you know, like, they're compelled to do it, to, to work on it. So reward and respect cause us to quarrel. We'll come back to that. And make hearing, thinking, and meditation decline. So these are three wisdoms we hear, three ways of developing wisdom. Hearing, teachings. Thinking or reflecting about and then when we have a good understanding of the teaching, meditation is what helps us deepen and realize that. So reward and respect cause us to quarrel and make this practice of cultivating wisdom through hearing, thinking, and meditation decline. For this reason, he says, give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. This is the practice of bodhisattvas. Now you may think, Households of friends, relations, and benefactors, who's left to hang out with? <laughs> but this verse is particularly directed to monastics. So it's interesting and a coincidence that this verse came up today during the Katina day, but it's, it's, um, it's good to talk about. Because what he's um, addressing here is this um, idea, well, as Venerable Children says in the book, when we depend on the kindness of others to receive these four requisites, food, clothing, medicine, and shelter, we may become attached to these things or to the people who give them to us. This is a problem for everybody. It's not just a monastic problem. But when we have a commitment to try to live simply, to try to live ethically, uh, and to live completely dependent on the kindness of others. The possibility to try to, as she says, become manipulative in order to give people to give things to us is big. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if we've been trying to subdue our attachment, which you know, is part of our practice, right? We're trying to subdue our attachment. But if we haven't gotten very far with that, we may think that we can't live without in which case, <laughs> yeah, so we might, we might get into all kinds of tricky things in our minds to manipulate people to give us what we want. So this is addressing what the Buddha taught as five wrong livelihoods. Now, I used to hear this teaching on five wrong livelihoods, and I, I thought, like, this is no big deal. Who, who, who would do these things, or who, who cares about these things, you know? The, um, the first one is hypocrisy. You know, pretending to be something that you're not. Whoops, where's my list? I'll have to do it from memory. Hypocrisy. You know, pretending that uh, you really care about someone. Or pretending that you're really um, a great practitioner. Pretending that um, the great story is about your altar is very clear free of dust, and so you know, people come, they go, oh, look what a great practitioner.
practitioner. But actually, if there's no benefactors around, you act like a slug. Right? That's hypocrisy. And it's manipulating people to want to bring you offerings. The second one is flattery. Oh, you're such a great benefactor. It's so important that you give to the monastery. You, <laughs> in a way that's manipulative. Of course, we want to be thankful and grateful to people. But, um, you know, it's important that, uh, and that's important to recognize. But the flattery that's, well, you know what I mean, right? We all do it anyway. You don't have to be a monastic to flatter someone to try to get something from them. Bosses. Yes? <laughs> Big target for flattery. You're such the best boss I ever had. Am I going to get the raise? <laughs> That's a shortcut, but, you know. Uh, maybe our partners, actually. A little bit of flattery, the wanting something. You're the best. You're the one that to do. 
Coast, and it's like, oh, that's such a beautiful face. Where did you get that face? It would look so nice in my house. You don't have a corner that would be just perfect for that. <laughs> Gosh, where did you get it? I'd like to get one just like, oh, it's really rare. Oh, I see. Mm. So it's not just stuff. This reward and respect causes us to quarrel. That's not attachment to stuff so much as it is praise and reputation. Wanting to be well known. Wanting to be appreciated. And then doing things that are not necessarily So it's not just um, it's not just monastics. As Venerable says, politicians butter up prospective donors with flattery and promises. Excuse me, let's look at this election, or let's don't. <laughs> <laughs> CEOs deceive others with under-the-table business deals. You don't have to be a CEO to do that. People in sales really, I think, have to struggle with this. Well, anybody here in sales? Yeah, it's tricky, huh? It is very tricky. And then spiritual leaders pretend to be kind and caring when their interest is in pleasure, money, or fame. And of course, this is so many different kinds of ethical downfalls for spiritual leaders of all traditions or substances, you know, susceptible. And why not? You know, we're susceptible because we have this craving. So what this verse is about, actually, then, making hearing, thinking, and meditation decline. So the more we are engaged, lay people and monastics, the more we are engaged in this wanting to procure stuff, the less our mind is engaged with hearing, teachings, cultivating our good qualities, thinking about how to do that, wishing to be a benefit to others, and then meditation. Who has time? I have to go shopping. Who has time? I need to go online. What's happening on Amazon? You know, I can find anything. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> the world of search engines 
it's transformed it's transformed our planet as far as I can tell. We can find out anything like that, and I use it for that. You can also search to see, oh, do you think they have well, do they have little jewels for my mandala set? That's a legitimate thing, right? Google. Mandala jewels. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Up comes all these things. It's amazing. We're just, it's so easy to feed that. So anyway, what's the, what's the solution? Give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. Now it doesn't say give up friends, relations, and benefactors. It says give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. So from the monastic this is one of the reasons that we have very clear guidelines about how we engage with the outer world or the worldly world. Um, who flatters us the most? Our friends, our family. Who is the easiest to hint to? I mean, it's not intentional, but when I go home in my little ragged shirt, <coughs> Used to. My mother would just die. I had to start dressing better when I went to visit my mother so that it wouldn't be like a little hint. <laughs> yeah. Right? You have to be you have to be so careful with that. And then the benefactors too. You know, to be really upfront and straightforward about about things. The issue, you know, as Venerable Children says, let me just read what she says. What is the antidote for craving to have a big name? Because this is part of what this verse is about, right? To have a big name, to have um, lots of followers or heaps of offerings. Give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. These are the people who praise us, make us offerings, respect us, and boost our reputation and renown. These are the people that we rely on for that. So rather than do that, we contemplate the disadvantages of attachment so that we want to relinquish. That's the first step. And that's the first step for everybody. And I think, you know, we talk about this often. Contemplating the disadvantages of anger is not that hard. I mean, you have to think about it. But anger is not so pleasant. We don't feel so good when we're angry, and the outcome is usually ugly immediately. The people around us don't want to be around us. So you can see that there are disadvantages to anger. Disadvantages to attachment? Well, the first response is there aren't any. The only disadvantages to attachment is not getting what you want, and then you're angry. That's not true. So what is Define attachment is the mind that exaggerates the value or the beauty or the specialness of an object that we desire and wants to have it, cling to it. So what's the disadvantage of that? Are there other disadvantages? Mental depression. I mean, when, when 
when I want something from someone, and I say, oh, this is like the very best, wonderful, whatever, and my mind, is, I can't take my mind off of that, and I just get this like feeling in here, like, I have to have it, you know, like all this beautiful stuff is going on, and I'm just like going, ah, <laughs> awful. Mental obsession. Is anyone familiar with that? so you can get so preoccupied with the object of your desire. In my case, that always is desire for faith. Uh-huh. That you can get way distracted from your practice and way distracted from your responsibilities. Yeah. Like getting your taxes done on time. Right. So being so obsessed with the object of attachment yes. that we can't do other things. Yeah. Uh, other important things. Wow. 
give money to other people, other people who are suffering. <laughs> so we do have to make a living. That's a distinction that's important. I mean, it's not like that we don't have to. It's the attachment in the mind that's inventing stories, actually, in order for us to get the things that we think are going to make us happy. Well, what do we do about it? How do people work with detachment? Does that work? Oh, what a nice duck. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
Huh? Yeah, where'd they get that sweater? <laughs> Ah, uh, so more the material, it's the, the re reputation and wanting praise yeah, and wanting to be appreciated. Yeah, you know, like bring, you know, like, you know, so somebody's sitting there going, oh man, Jimmy's giving this dynamite talk, and he's like, I don't know, that's how I'm going to talk back to people who fall asleep. Yeah, it's true, it's true. It's the comparing mind that um, does us all in, actually. Everyone addresses that. I can't find it, but it's true that that, that that kind of comparison. I mean, and and that that's part of our um, it's part of our self-centered thought actually. It's constantly running and checking the the barometer, the measurement. Where am I in relationship to the group I'm in now? Am I a little bit high? Am I a little bit low? Am I a little bit equal? Am I a little bit high? What can I do to get a little bit higher? Venerable um, Jumpa gave a really beautiful little teaching this morning from some of her training that she just had in Taiwan, where the, the master said that in the uh, outer world, people, you know, you, you strive to be on top, to be ahead. In the monastic life, we need to strive to be behind. Not falsely humiliate, not be false in our humiliation, but in um, not trying to put ourselves ahead of others. But that's a very, it is a very difficult one habit and then our society really drives us to be, to succeed, you know, to be the best and to be recognized as the best. Yeah, I think another antidote that helps me sometimes is just to notice the toll that it takes on my mental state. If it's craving or if it's you know, a other thing. It's sort of like, you know, sitting and eating junk food. So what have you got at the end of it? You've got a really much more disturbed mind and you've wasted all that time. Yeah. Studying a beautiful Dharma teaching. You know? So as soon as you recognize it, you recognize that it's like eating junk food. Yeah, the toll is just huge. Yeah. And I want to go back to Dan's antidote of thinking of permanence because that is the the textbook one, and it actually, in my experience, works. But I think we have to have some appreciation for the fact that attachment and is is damaging. And that the object can't deliver what it what we expect it to, in order for us to really appreciate that um, mind and impermanence. That's why I was questioning how it actually works for people. Is that your experience? Those people who use it.
The object doesn't last. The happiness doesn't last. I'm not going to last. Nothing's going to last. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Who's the poor, who's the poor being that's going to have to come into this house and get involved? That's true. <laughs> people have cleaned up households lately. Yes, reward and respect are also impermanent. So that goes back to the beginning of the verse. Reward and respect cause us to quarrel. And that's part of that competitive mind, too. Why do they cause us to quarrel? Because I want it and you got it. Or, I want it and I'm going to puff myself up so you don't get it. Or, reward and respect cause us to quarrel. Do we, can we agree that that's true? Yeah, Kathy? I'm thinking about the time that we spend if you are craving and wanting and working towards your attachments, then you don't have as much time for kindness. That's right. Um, because you're spending too much time acquiring. That's exactly right. Trickering yourself or, you know, all the things. I mean, you're just, you're taking your valuable time and putting it in, in the wrong place, it feels like. Yeah. So we're taking the precious lines that we have that is slipping by like this and spending it on acquisition of all kinds, five on livelihoods and anything else, even legitimately walking out putting harder and money in the wall. Whereas we could be spending time helping others, being a benefit, cultivating our own good heart. It's true. Okay. I find that practice is helpful is um, Similarly, I've heard is instead of a cure, which would be the antidote, um, is the inoculation, and preventing yourself from future craving, and that's you know by giving things up. Like the more the more like small pleasures that you get, the more that you just give those up. Um, like for me, it was video games. I uh, love video games. <laughs> movies, TVs, you know, music, especially just like going without that. You know, typically, I'd be in the car, I always have that music on go without that, just have silence, and that cultivates this um, calm in your mind to where something else comes up, you're like, oh, well, I went without this, so I can surely do without this, and then it kind of has a cascade. Yeah. So those are all some antidotes we can work And it's important, you know, I've deviated from this text a little bit, because I think it is, it is a, this is a fabulous teaching for monastics, but it's not just monastics. And most of the room here is not. Um, so I think it is really valuable for everyone to take a look at how we spend our time, how we spend our mental time in terms of looking for the things that we want. Reward, respect, pleasure, things like that. And, and noting whether this is something I really need, is what Jackie was saying. Is this something that is actually going to bring lasting happiness? Is this something that's going to bring benefit to all such a beings? Right. I spend the whole morning trying to track down that one piece of chocolate that I know is somewhere in that dining room. <laughs> <laughs> I won't find it, probably. <laughs> it's sure not going to benefit sentient beings, but I can stop for a moment. Okay, what's beneficial for such a being is wanting to get back to what you were doing. Um, and those are, those are small things, but they really significantly have an impact.
we get immediate immediate pleasure back from working with our attachments, and that is having a mind of contentment. That really does make it. Okay. So I don't know if anyone's craving lunch. <laughs> So any other thoughts or comments or let's read the verse one more time. Reward and respect cause us to quarrel and make hearing, thinking, and meditation decline. For this reason, give up attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors. This is the practice. Merit, may we soon. 